Good morning. Our scripture today is from Colossians 2, verses 8 through 15. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Over the past few weeks, we have been going through the book of Colossians, and for the sake of those who have not been with us, um, I want to give a very brief recap just to create the context for this morning's message. The book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul while he was imprisoned, and the reason that he wrote this was because he heard of false teachers who are trying to convince the Colossian Christians that Jesus Christ is not supreme and that the gospel that was preached to them by Epaphras was not sufficient, that there was more needed than the gospel to live a spiritually fulfilled life. So far, we've seen Paul resisting these lies. We've seen him exalt Christ as sufficient and as central in everything preeminent as Christ above all. And he has argued persuasively that there is nothing needed to be added to the gospel of Jesus Christ in order for us to be saved or to live satisfied lives in him. And so that is what we are going to see once again in this gospel-saturated passage that we are looking at this morning. We will see that Christians are brought to fullness in Christ through his redemptive activity on our behalf and that we therefore can live lives free from enslavement to this world. We will start in verse 9 and go through verse 15, and then we'll circle back to verse 8. But before that, please pray with me. Father, when we approach your word on a day like today, we realize how completely weak we are. We come to your word, which is life and truth and perfect, and inspired, and inerrant. And I approach your word 
not in those ways. I am not perfect. I am weak, and we are weak, and therefore we need your power and your wisdom right now. So, Spirit, I pray that you will come now, that you will open our ears to hear the truth of your word, that we will look at words that seem strange, that you will make it alive to us, and that ultimately today, through your word, we will glorify Jesus Christ as supreme Savior. Help me to speak clearly. Help all of us to listen well and to glorify you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Read with me verses 9 and 10, please. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul is right back refuting the lies of the false teachers that Christ is not supreme, that there are other spirits and angels to be worshipped alongside him. And he does this in a way that he has already done by exalting and glorifying Christ as supreme. In him, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. We saw these same words in Chapter 1, verse 9, in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus not only bears God's glory, but all that is God is in him. He possesses all the wisdom, all the power, all the spirit, all the glory of God is in Jesus. And to say that all the fullness dwells in Jesus bodily means that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so he's saying to the Colossians, that Jesus that you see, it is, it is Christ. It is God. If you look to Jesus, if you see Jesus, you see God. And so he goes on later in verse 9. He says, he is the head of all rule and authority. Now let me tell you something, church. There's no hidden meaning in those words. He is the head of all rule and authority. Jesus is supreme over all. He is in everything preeminent. And he is Christ above all. He is above every other spirit every other angel and spiritual authority. He created them all. Therefore, he is highly exalted above them all. He is not to be compared to them in any sense. He has no equal. He is God above all. And he truly is the head, the supreme ruler over everything, over every person, over every ruler, over every animal, over every spirit, over every authority, over every molecule that exists, over every electron that exists, over every galaxy that exists. He rules supreme. I don't know if some of you have seen the photos that came out very recently from the Webb telescope that NASA has released they showed these amazing pictures. And we look at those things. And we think those things exist. We've never been able to see that far into space. Jesus created those. 
and he rules over them and he upholds them every second of every day, millions and millions and millions of miles from here. And he rules over us. Not one of those stars will explode. Not one of those stars will burn out without his permission, without his sovereign providential knowledge. He rules supreme over everything. And so Paul drills down on this fact once again. Jesus is God in the flesh, supreme ruler of all. And then between these two pieces that we saw, in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and he is the head of all rule and authority. In between that are are sandwiched these remarkable words. And you, Christian, have been filled in him. This is a mic drop moment. This is, this is a moment to just be quiet and think. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives bodily. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You have been filled in him. In this God that rules over all. Being in Christ is a phrase that we use to refer to our new identity. When we place our faith in Christ, when he calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, when he gives a dead sinner new life, then we get a new life and we say we are in Christ But Paul does not only say that we are in Christ, he say we are filled in him. We find our fullness in Christ. It means that we are complete in Christ. We are satisfied in Christ. There is nothing that we need outside of Christ to live satisfactory lives, to be full of joy, pleasure, contentment, gladness, and peace. All of this is ours because we are filled with him. It means that we belong to him. We are united with him. We are adopted by him. And we have an eternal inheritance. An eternal inheritance. Ephesians 1 says, You were blessed with every spiritual blessing. That is fullness in Christ. You have been redeemed by his blood, Christian. That is fullness in Christ. You have obtained an inheritance and you received the spirit to guarantee that inheritance. Do you want to hear fullness in Christ? Listen to Revelation 3 and verse 21. The one who conquers endures I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Christian, do you realize that you are going to sit with Christ on his throne if you endure? That is fullness in Christ. There is an inheritance that is waiting for us, that is sure, and that we are going to have because of Christ. And so we have to ask two questions. Why and how? Why did I go from dead sinner 
enemy with God, having no hope, to fullness in Christ. Why did that happen? And the why question is simple. Excuse me. The why question is simple, though extremely mysterious. Ephesians 1 and verse 4 says to us why. Because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Why did we go from dead sinner to alive in Christ? Because God chose you in him before the foundation of the world. How? How do we go from dead sinner to fullness in Christ? Paul is about to answer this to us by giving us several gospel truths about how we go from dead sinner to fullness in Christ. Gospel truth number one, by having our hearts circumcised. Look with me at verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This metaphor of circumcision by the circumcision of Christ has no parallel in all of Scripture. This is the only place where this is found. And that's most likely because this is a direct response to the false teachers who insisted that circumcision was needed in addition to faith to be saved. And what Paul is saying to them, he is saying... Every true believer has already been circumcised. But not with a bodily circumcision. With a much more important circumcision. One not performed by human hands. You see a physical circumcision is an external act performed by human hands on a portion of the flesh. The circumcision Paul speaks about here is not that circumcision, but it is a circumcision of the heart. It is a spiritual act carried out by God on the entire fleshly nature of a man at the time of their their regeneration, that moment when God grants new life to a dead person. At that moment, the old sinful nature dies, using Paul's word, is put off like circumcision. It is removed and you receive a new nature in Christ, alive in Christ. This is the true circumcision which God has always commanded. The Old Testament is full of references to circumcision of the heart. Listen to Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. He was saying that before God circumcises your heart, you cannot love him appropriately. Jeremiah 9 verse 25 and 26. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. All the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. And then Paul says in Romans 
2, verse 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit. So when Paul says at the end of verse 11, you were circumcised by the circumcision of Christ, it can maybe be better understood by saying you were circumcised in the circumcision accomplished by Christ. The circumcision of your heart, removing the heart of flesh and putting in you a heart heart of stone and putting in you a heart of flesh. And so hear this, if you are a true believer today, your heart has been circumcised by God. Your old nature has been put off and you received a new nature in Christ. This is reason for great rejoicing, church. How do we go from dead sinner to fullness in Christ? Here's a gospel truth number two. By being buried with him and raised with him. Paul grounds our new spiritual status as filled in him in our participation with Christ in three fundamental redemptive acts. At the heart of the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And believers participate in his death, burial, and resurrection when we place our faith, our trust in Christ as our Savior. In verse 11, we already just saw that Christians participate in Christ's death by putting off the old body the old nature died and we received a new nature in Christ and now in verse 12 we see the the true Christians participate also in Christ's burial and resurrection and Paul says it like this in verse 12 having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith Now notice the tense here. Having been buried with Christ, were raised with Christ. This is past tense. This is not something you still need to do if you are a Christian. This is something that was done for you in Christ. When you placed your faith in Christ, you have been buried and you were raised. In Christ, we died when he died and in Christ we were buried when he was buried and in Christ we were raised when he was raised and so Paul wisely uses the picture of water baptism here to show our participation in these events because baptism believers baptism accurately represents the entire conversion experience We see that clearly in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, that says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
We were brought to fullness in Christ by his death, burial, and resurrection that he graciously made our death, burial, and resurrection to life by faith. And let us be very clear that our participation in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection has nothing to do with our efforts. Nothing. It is like when you sit on a plane and you fly across the Atlantic and you say, I participated in flying this Boeing 747 across the Atlantic. And people will say to you, the captain did it. It's exactly right. Christ did it. And he just invited us in him that we could experience the fullness of Christ in him. How do we go from dead sinners to fullness in Christ? Here's the gospel truth number three. By being made alive. Verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. This is unimaginable grace, church. You and I are by nature spiritually dead men and women. And we are unable to become alive spiritually by ourselves. Without Christ, we would forever remain spiritually dead. And when you stand before the the judgment throne of God, you will be guilty of the sins. Without Christ making us alive, we would be dead spiritually forever. This is how Paul says this in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, which is death, And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. If you are a Christian in here today. You are alive only because Christ made you alive. We can add nothing to that. How do we go from dead sinner to fullness in Christ? Gospel truth number four, by having our record of debt canceled. Read with me verse 13. The end of verse 13 says, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And then verse 14 says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. As humans, we have a certificate of debt or a record of debt that is filed against us in the courtroom of heaven. Because of our sin and our rebellion, the laws of God had become a deadly witness against each one of us. We are in such deep debt to God that there is no way out. But Jesus canceled the entire debt by paying for it on the cross. He voided the certificate of debt with its judgments against us and he canceled it, having nailed it to the cross 
in him when he was nailed to the cross. We have to understand that our record of debt was not just wiped out. Jesus didn't just take the record of debt and tear it in half and say, now you're good. You have no debt anymore. Jesus paid your debt. He paid every debt. Our debt was nailed to the cross because Jesus, who carried our debt, was nailed to the cross. And there he paid with his blood so that the debt that you owed is forgiven. What amazing grace, church. Isn't this the most amazing news to hear? That you do not have to pay anymore. You do not have to try and pay a debt to God. If you put your trust in him, you are forgiven. Your debt is paid. You can just rejoice in him. He is worthy of all our praise because he has paid our debt. In verse 15, Paul brings to a conclusion his explanation of how we have been brought to fullness in Christ when he says he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. We have already seen that Jesus created all things, including the spiritual rulers and authorities. And we have seen that he is head over all spiritual rule and authority. And now we see on the cross, he triumphed over them, demolishing them, disarming them, defeating them, making a public spectacle of them so that they are no longer powerful. If you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, you have been brought out of darkness and into the fullness of Christ. By having your heart circumcised, by being buried with him and raised again to life, by being made alive and by having your record of debt canceled. And you will reign with him in eternity. I still cannot understand that that can be true. You will reign with him in eternity. You have received no greater gift ever, Christian. You will receive no greater deed ever. You were dead. Now you're alive. You were under judgment. And now you live in the fullness of Christ. How much more can we believe that he will care for us this week? When you run into hard work situations this week, when you experience relational difficulty this week, friend, know that this God who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who gave you life who canceled your record of debt, when you go to him, he will give you everything you need to honor him this week in your relationships, in your finances, and in your work, and in everything other. He is worthy. You can run to him this week. When you struggle, run to him. He is able and willing to help you. And if you're not a believer here this morning, he is inviting you today 
to put your faith in him and to start walking towards him and to repent of your sins. And if you do that, Christ will take you out of death and he will give you a new nature and a new life. Hear this this morning. Hear the call of God this morning. If you are not a Christian, this life, this fullness in Christ is available to you. You only need to go and ask him. We said the summary is that Christians are brought to fullness in Christ. We've seen how through his redemptive activity on our behalf, and therefore we can live lives free from enslavement to this world. Understanding our fullness in Christ is the reason we can now go back to verse 8. If we don't understand our fullness in Christ, then verse 8 feels like a lot of hard work on my own account, which is not what, it's, what it is there for. Read verse 8 with me. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. See to it are words of warning. It means look carefully or watch out. It is a warning against danger. Karin and I like to ride our bicycles in our neighborhood. And if I see a car coming from the back and I say to her, watch out, there's a car coming, then she immediately knows what that means. It means do not veer off the path that I'm on, just stay so that I don't go in front of the car and get hit by the car. And when I say to her, watch out, she knows to pay close attention and stay the course and not veer off course. What Paul is saying to the Colossians, when he says, see to it, watch out, there is danger that you need to be aware of. And they would say, what danger? And that is the danger of being taken captive by the deceptive messages of the false teachers. The sense here that he's talking about is piracy or enslavement. See to it that you're, that you're not captured. These false teachers are tra- trying to take the Colossian Christians captive. And he's saying to them, watch out, Colossians. So that they can make sure that they do not stray from the true gospel that was preached to them by Epaphras. That they can stay in the true gospel. How will they take them captive? How are they trying to take them captive? By their lies and deceit. These false teachers were proclaiming a message that said to be satisfied in life and to be spiritually fulfilled, you need more than Jesus, more than his gospel. They were saying that Christ alone cannot fulfill you, that the gospel alone cannot satisfy you. And Paul describes their message as empty deceit. Now, just a side note, when you see the word philosophy there, that word in itself is not a negative word in this context. 
When they used philosophy, it was used in a broader sense than what we define philosophy today. Philosophy was more a, a message. And so what Paul is saying is the type of philosophy that they are proclaiming, the type of message that they're proclaiming, Colossians, it is a danger to you. Their empty deceit is a danger to you. It is a message that is void of spiritual truth and value. And it aims to deceive you. This type of message is diagonally opposed to the gospel, friends. The gospel is true and reliable and powerful and transforming. The message that they were speaking was empty deceit. And so Paul says their message is according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Their message is one of simple worldly human speculation and not based on the divine biblical truth. And then he says, not according to Christ. So the main reason why these messages of the false teachers were so dangerous, so dangerous that they could capture and enslave is because they were proclaiming a false gospel, a deceptive gospel that is not according to Christ. So if you would believe that message, Colossians, you would be believing a false false gospel, not a gospel according to the truth of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us. Warning, Colossians. Warning, Christian. Do not believe their false, empty deceit. And so, friends, this morning I want to exhort you to see to it to watch out that you are not taken captive And enslaved by the deceitful messages of this age. Messages that are according to human tradition and human wisdom and human desires. And not according to Christ. Messages that are meant to deceive you. And to convince you that you need more than Christ. Or that you don't need Christ to be happy. And that you need more than the gospel. Or you don't need the gospel to be happy. That you are okay as, that, as you are. And that you can do as you please. These voices are screaming at you church. Every day they're screaming at us. Christ cannot fulfill you. The gospel cannot satisfy you. That you need more than Jesus or different than Jesus. What are those messages? I think we can probably sit here for a week and write down what those messages are that are being proclaimed to us by the world that we have to be on the lookout for so that they do not capture us. The message that says to you, 13-year-old, that you will be happier one day when you can be free from your parents' authority is a lie, is not the truth. The message that says you will be fulfilled when you pursue a gay or lesbian relationship 
or when you identify as the opposite sex than how God created you is a lie. It is empty deceit. The message that says it's okay to have sex outside of marriage, that it hurts no one, is a lie. A message that says your ever pleasure-seeking heart will be content with the next gadget or the next project or the next experience is a lie. The message that says you will live an easier, more joy-filled life if you have an abortion rather than laying down your life for that child and raising them by yourself is a lie. The message that says you do not need to repent of your sins and ask God for mercy, that you can work out your own salvation by being morally good, is a lie. And the message that says Jesus is one of many ways to God is a lie. These messages are lies designed to deceive you, church. We hear them everywhere. We hear them on the news. We see them in TV shows and in movies. We hear them in lyrics from songs. We see it all over advertisement. We hear it from teachers and coworkers and friends. These are the pervasive, deceptive messages of our age which tries to enslave you and they are not according to Christ. And Paul is telling you this morning to see to it that you are not taken captive by these messages. They are designed to deceive you, Christian. Do not be captured by them. And if we do not watch out, if we do not watch out to stay in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we may veer into some of these false, deceitful ways. And then we'll see in a year and two and three years that we will proclaim with our mouth that we are Christians, but we will bear the obvious fruit of unregenerated life. See to it, Christian, that you are not taken captive. And so the obvious question is, so how do we not get taken captive by these false messages that are proclaimed day by day. We focus on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just as Paul did in the next six verses after this one verse. He just grounded us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here is what is true, Colossians. Now, don't be deceived by these deceivers. And so if we do not want to be enslaved by these messages, we focus on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We turn to Jesus and we stay focused on him and on his gospel, being constantly mindful of him. I love how David says it in Psalm 16 verse 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. Do that, church. Set the Lord always before you. We cannot set the things of this world in front of us and think that it will not affect us. 
Set the Lord before you. Let him fill your mind. Let him fill your gaze and your thoughts. And as you focus on him, as you seek your pleasure in him, as you seek the truth of his message, you will see that the message that the world proclaims will not affect you. It will not be able to enslave you. Focus on Christ daily, moment by moment. And then humbly ask God to help you. We cannot do this, church. We cannot do in the flesh what Paul is asking us to do here. We cannot in the flesh by ourselves stand against these masses of deceitful messages that come our way. There's only one way we will do that. That is if God strengthens us. And so let's run to him for help asking the Holy Spirit to make us first sensitive to the false messages of this world and then to give us the courage and the strength to bear up and endure And to focus on Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The answer to being enslaved by the world is Jesus Christ crucified. That's it. If we look to him, if we follow him, if we seek him, if we sing about him, if we read about him, if we pursue him as hard as we can, he will protect us against these deceitful messages that want to enslave us. If you are a Christian this morning, then you were brought into fullness in Christ through his redemptive activities on your behalf. And that is the reason you can live a life free from enslavement to this world. And my prayer this morning, church, is that we will walk out here and the Spirit will make us aware of him and not the world. I need to be careful not to preach the message I'm hopefully going to preach in a couple weeks. We need to look to Christ. When we look to Christ, the world becomes dull and empty around us. May he do that for us day by day, so that we can be enamored with Christ and not the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we could come to your word this morning and read it and be freshly aware of the gospel for us. Lord, thank you that you gave us new life. Thank you that you canceled the record of debt that stood against us. Thank you that you raised us in you so that we can be alive in you, so that we can have fullness of life in you. Father, I pray that as we go into this week and we are bombarded with the the deceitful messages that comes toward us, that we will have strength to endure and that we will have strength to turn to you, that we will look to you, Christ, that we will focus on you, that we will read your word, that we will seek you. And as we do, I pray that you will give us the strength to overcome this world like you overcame this world. 
Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we have an inheritance with you. And that one day, if we endure, we will sit on your throne with you. I cannot imagine that day. Will you make this reality to us? And as we head into this week, will you help us to seek you first in everything we do? Bring these gospel truths to mind, I pray, this week, Lord. In the everyday situations where we feel weak and stressed and angry, will you bring your gospel truths to our minds so that we can be filled with the truth of your word? Pray that in Christ's name. Amen.